This podcast is sponsored by TOG24, who've kitted me, Ollie, and the dogs out with all of our walking gear this year. TOG24 is for anyone who likes their walkies, humans and dogs alike. Here's what you need to know. One, their clothes are so cozy that wearing their coats literally feels like walking around in a duvet. Two, they have matching human and dog outfits so you can twin with your dog. In our house, we have matching pink coats. Three, their dog puffers have a reversible metallic lining so you can see them in the dark. It's very handy and cute on nighttime walks. Four, they're a family-run, Yorkshire-based company with an office full of whippets, so you just know they're excellent people. And five, TOG24 currently have their Black November sale on, and it is a big deal. There are Black Friday discounts throughout the month, so check it out. You're going to love it. Hello, and welcome to Brave Little Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those life events and decisions so many of us face that require a healthy dose of courage. I'm your host, Jess. You might know me from social media as Human Jess, and I've learned everything I know about courage from my little dog. She's also called Jess, but more commonly known as the Worried Whippet. When you get a dog, you have an image in your head of how your life will be with them. You'll take them for walks, spontaneously pop to the pub, they'll love all of your friends, they'll go for sleepovers at your mum's, they'll snooze on the sofa at home while you're at the cinema. It doesn't always turn out like that though, as I know all too well. My Whippet Jess has always had a lot of worries. It's part of the reason why she's so relatable and so beloved online. But sometimes I feel like we've let her down and let ourselves down by not getting further with her. We've lived for five years now with a dog who can't be left on her own for an hour while we pop to the shops or out for dinner. The impact of that on her life and ours is huge. So I was carrying that feeling silently on my own until I discovered my guest today, Hannah. Hannah is an illustrator and an author with an extraordinary amount of empathy for people in situations like mine. She and her partner Ellie adopted Mac, a gorgeous boy with a lot of struggles, two and a half years ago, and Hannah has bravely shared the highs and lows of their journey on her Instagram page, Mac Daddy Illustration. My favourite thing about Hannah is how frankly she talks about the lows. She doesn't shy away from the unglamorous bits, the isolation and loneliness of having rehomed a dog that just isn't compatible with a social life, but she does it in a warm way that makes you feel like it's okay. Sadly, Mac's health started deteriorating earlier this year, and while Hannah and Ellie did everything they could for him, he died in October. I know firsthand the impact that Hannah and Mac's story is having. If you follow me and Jess, you might have noticed a change in our content this year. Being part of Hannah's community has allowed me to open up about our experiences with Jess and Otto in a way that I didn't feel able to before, and I'm feeling a lot better for it. I was really excited to finally get to talk to Hannah about the journey she's been on, her upcoming book, Everything Will Be Okay, and the community of people who find comfort in her drawings. So today's guest is someone I'm really excited about. It's Hannah Simpson from Mac Daddy Illustration. Hi, Hannah. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. I think I discovered your account. It can't have been that long ago, maybe like a year or something when you did an illustration of my dog, Jess, that was just lovely. And since then, I've just seen it pop up everywhere. It seems to have really (laughs) taken off and really resonated with people, which is lovely. And we're going to talk more about that. But to begin with, I'm just going to ask you about something brave that you've done this week. I mean, I didn't fancy going out of the house much this week for reasons I'm sure we'll get into later on the podcast, but I managed to go out for a walk when I didn't feel like it. And I thought that was quite brave because I just really wanted to hibernate from the world. That is really brave. And I think out of everyone that I'm speaking to on this podcast, you have had to be the most brave recently. And we are going to talk about that um, and about Max. So I guess we'll start with the story of your dog, Mac, who, for people who don't know Hannah and Hannah's account, Mac is her lovely rescue dog who sadly died a few weeks ago, but was with you for two and a half years, was it? Yeah, around about that. 
So how did you come by him? Oh, where to even start with Matt, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we knew we were ready to adopt a dog and we'd thought about it a lot and we knew we wanted to rescue, so we'd agreed on that. And we basically just started scouring the RSPCA for dogs and he he kind of stood out to us anyway, but then they contacted us to say, we think he might be a good fit, which again, I'm sure we'll get into. He was not a good fit for a first time dog <laughs> guardian, but that's another story. Um but yeah, we just like totally fell in love with him and he, he'd been part of a neglect case. Um, so we did take on quite a lot and yeah, that was it really. We went to meet him a few times and we just completely fell in love with him like you do and brought him home. And he was a very difficult boy from the start, but he was very lovely. That's the story of how we ended up with him really. I think there were a few dogs out there on the internet who will have like touched more hearts than Mac has. But like what's particularly struck me is the way that you've spoken about it and the honesty that you've shared with. And it's really enabled me to change the way that I think about uh, my relationship with my dog, Jess, who's also a difficult dog. And it's been liberating hearing the way that you've shared your story. So what happened once you got him home? When did you, I feel like us difficult dog owners, because <laughs> I've been in such a similar <laughs> situation. There's always like a moment of realization. When did that happen for you? Do you know what? I Honestly, it was as soon as we got out of the car because we basically got him out of the car. In fact, I take that back. It was as soon as we left the RSPCA because he screamed the whole way home and it was a two hour car journey. So all the way home, we were kind of thinking, what have we done? And is this just a really bad decision? And we were like, no, let's just get on with it. And then we got out of the car when we got home and a huge greyhound came around the corner as we got out of the car and Mac just completely lost it, like screaming, barking, snapping. And I remember we just went into the house and I guess instead of having this like joy that you think you're supposed to have when you bring them home, we kind of just sat in silence because I think we both were having the realisation that, oh, I think we might have bitten off a bit more than we can chew with Mac. So yeah, I'd say the realisation was pretty much straight away with him Um, and it did improve, but it was tough to begin with. Yeah. Did you have support from the RSPCA? No, unfortunately. I think, don't get me wrong, we didn't really reach out. So I can't say that they wouldn't have supported us if they didn't, but we we just looked straight into working with a trainer basically. And just that was kind of our approach. Um, So yeah, I can't say that they wouldn't have supported us, but we didn't didn't reach out for it at the time. But maybe we could have done with a little bit more support. (laughs) (laughs) And what were Max struggles other dogs other dogs strangers honestly anything that moves sometimes cars motorbikes bikes uh other animals he had separation anxiety he had noise sensitivity um they were the main ones that we really really struggled with that that almost sounds like the list that we're yeah. working with with our <laughs> dog Jess. like i could have written that it's a lot it's a lot and i know that for me the biggest thing that we struggle with is the separation anxiety like we're five years in and we haven't been able to leave Jess on her own ever that's five years where like we can't both go to the supermarket at the same time we've only just been able to leave her with a friend who sits her which is lovely but yeah how did you find that sort of life limitation it was really difficult um I have to say like our mental health was like quite severely affected I think by it because the problem with Mac as well was we couldn't take him anywhere so it was so difficult. And I guess when we had to kind of find someone who could look after him, we had to build up that relationship. It wasn't as simple as just getting a dog sitter and going out. Um, so that was really, really difficult. But yeah, it was really limiting, to be honest. And I think I think without realising, actually, we did really struggle mentally because of it. Because there was sometimes we'd go weeks with not, not really doing anything and not really going anywhere. And I think maybe adopting Mac straight after COVID 
it was kind of like lockdown 2.0 really because we just ended up going straight and doing another lockdown with Mac. And um, yeah, I, f- I found that really difficult, I think. I think I missed more, because we knew obviously getting a dog would be limiting because it is obviously you give up things like late nights out and stuff like that, but we were ready for that. Um, but the difficult thing was like the spontaneity of being able to go to the shop together. Like that to me now is just ridiculous. Like the fact we couldn't even nip to the corner shop is just... It's just wild to me now, but um, yeah, I did. I found that really difficult. Yeah, it's. Um, I know that for us, like, it's become so normal that the times when I see it and think, "Oh my god," is when like I meet somebody new and I have to explain it to them, or when my friends and family are like, "Kind of, what are you doing?" And we're like, "This is just how we've been living," but it does become quite normal quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think um, obviously before Matt passed, we we kind of thought we'd probably have about seven years with him, and I think we just accepted that, and we just accepted that that was the new norm, and that's how life would look for us. Um, and we'd kind of given up the idea of like big holidays or anything like that because no one could have him for that amount of time because he's such a difficult dog that, I mean, obviously, understandably, no one wanted to. So yeah, it was it was hard. I think it was a, uh, but like you say, it just it just becomes the new norm. And you must have decided quite quickly to commit to him and that you were going to do this. What was that decision like? So we sat down together and we had the conversation and you know we we just basically said this is it now we have to, we either make the decision that we're going to commit to it and we're going to stick with it and stick it out or now's the time to take him back if we have to take him back because it was that was within the first week or so and we just said it's not fair to him to keep bouncing around everywhere so we sat down and whether it was the right thing or not who knows but we made the decision to keep him and we absolutely adored him but yeah it was a it was definitely a, one of those moments, like a sliding doors moment, where you think, I wonder what could have happened if we'd just not made that decision and still had our freedom and all those things. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we did it. As well as like all of these difficulties, a lot of really lovely things have come out of your relationship with Mac, not just for you guys, I guess, but also for the rest of us who've benefited from everything that you've been sharing. Yeah. Um how quickly did you fall in love with him? Oh, we fell in love with him when we went to see him at the RSPCA, to be honest, because <laughs> we, um, he's just, that's their charm though, isn't it? Even though they're just evil little goblins, they're just, uh, they're so lovable. So we went to see him and we had to go and see him. I think we had three meetups with him um, and he was just so sweet. Like you could tell he was really troubled and he struggled a bit, but he was just really loving and he was like really cuddly and he, he knew a lot of tricks and all these things. So yeah, we kind of fell in love with him at the centre, I think. I think it was a bit of an up and down relationship at first. He was very sweet and obviously he was very cuddly, like I said, and he was, you know, we loved that part of him, but he, it took a while for us to really get into a groove with him, I think, and just realise like, oh, this is our like forever dog. And yeah, okay, he's not perfect, but like, who is? Who is? It's so yeah. true. <laughs> One of the things that I've realised is lots of people have problem dogs in inverted commas, but like don't really realise or like lean in to it in in the way that when we first got Jess the first couple of years like we didn't realize the extent of what she was dealing with emotionally and we weren't sensitive to it we weren't reading her body language right and you know we thought we had quite an easy dog but it was because when we were putting her in situations that she wasn't comfortable in like she was just kind of freezing up yeah and the more we've learned (laughs) the more limiting it's become for us but also the safer life has become for her and the happier she is and it's such a trade-off isn't it yeah definitely we kind of agreed that I think we did the same at first. We put Mac in a lot of situations that he wasn't comfortable in. If it was, there's like a woodland close by to us and it gets really busy with dogs. And we would just walk through it on like a Sunday afternoon, which obviously towards the end, we just wouldn't have dreamt of doing with him. Um, 
so yeah, I think you do learn a lot along the way, but it's a really important lesson, I think. Definitely is. And like the life that you gave him looked lovely. I think you must think to yourself sometimes like he was in the right place, that you were the right home for him and he found the best possible situation that he could have done. Yeah, definitely. I think we had that conversation um, when we had the decision to put him to sleep. We kind of said, you know, had he gone somewhere else, he might not have had this life really. Because we, I know it took us a long time to learn about body language and all those things. And maybe we were a bit naive and we should have learned those things before adopting him. But, you know, we learned along the way. And I think, yeah, I think he was like the perfect teacher for that. He was a, he was a hard first lesson. I think a bit too big of a lesson, but, you know, I'm grateful. And I think any dogs that come after Mac now will just benefit so much from everything he's taught us. That's such a lovely way to think about it. So do you want to talk a bit about the last couple of months for you? Yeah, so we, I'd say around June time, he started, he'd he'd already kind of shown these symptoms anyway. He had a lot of um, just standing around and staring at walls and just, he just seemed a bit off sometimes, but he'd done it for so long that we just kind of thought, you know, he was anxious and he had all these weird little quirks anyway. So we overlooked it and I think a lot of it got explained under his anxiety a lot of the time. But we, we started noticing it getting worse when our friend looked after him one night and we went away and... He texts us on the evening and he's just said, Mac, he's just completely freaking out, like really bad. And I can't calm him down and nothing had happened. So we were like, okay, like he's probably just a bit anxious, whatever. So we got back the next day, like as quick as we could and all was fine. He seemed okay. And then that started happening every now and again. And I'd say it was happening like three times a week and nothing was causing it. And it was like, it was a severe reaction as severe as it is to fireworks. Like we just could not like could not end it under any circumstances sorry just calm him down and it just started sn- like snowballing and eventually he was doing that every single night and we were up until three or four with him because he was just panicking and eventually he developed a fear of the back garden he developed fear of going out of the house he was scared of going in the kitchen he just basically our lives were just limited to the living room and for about two months we didn't really leave the living room um we took it in turns to sleep downstairs with him because he wouldn't come upstairs and it just, it was just awful. He ended up on a lot of medication towards the end and it wasn't really benefiting him. It was kind of just keeping him like sedated really. Um, and then, you know, we got into the conversation with the vet about, is this fair to him anymore? Because we ruled out pain and obviously that was our first worry. And when it wasn't that, we were kind of at our wits end with it because we were, everyone was just so tired and Matt just looked so miserable and I remember one day I was sat in my office and he was on a lot of medication then and he just looked at me and he just looked so tired and so done and I said to Ellie like I think we need to start having these conversations now because I don't know what else to do um, and then we spoke with our behaviourist and she kind of agreed and she said look I think you've done everything you can and it's awful and it's really sad but I think, you know, he's had a good life. And unfortunately, with cognitive decline, it's just going to get worse. So we did make the decision to do it in the end. And it was awful. I mean, it's. I feel like now I can, I can talk about it a little bit more now. But in the beginning, obviously, I couldn't. And it was really difficult. Um, but obviously, as you'll know, having a difficult dog, they take up so much of your life that it feels like it's just night and day. Like overnight, we've just lost all this responsibility, all this like limitation. And now we're just back to not normal, in air quotes, life. You did so well by him and such a brave thing. And my heart was really breaking, like watching you. Like it was so obvious that you were going through this enormous struggle. And I can't, it's unimaginable really. Because we just, you do all you can. You do your best for these little guys. But at the end of the day, like it wasn't going to get any better. And you did what you had to do. It's everybody's nightmare, I think, when you're a dog guardian. So how are you finding it now that you're, you've got this 
bittersweet freedom. Yeah, I think there's been nice things. Like we've tried to do more positive things with our freedom. Like we've been going to the gym a lot and like playing badminton, just like doing all these random things basically that are steering away from the usual path of maybe like going out drinking or all these things. And we were like, let's just try and feel better. But um, yeah, he's left like a massive space. And I think it's a... It's just difficult. It's a it's a really, really difficult thing. And I think, um, you know, our, our life now is just totally different. And I think because we'd had this, we said the other day, actually, Ellie said something really interesting. Uh, Ellie's my partner, sorry. She said, um, you know, it's really hard to grieve him because I also feel like we're grieving the life we were like working towards with him because we were really working hard at his reactivity and his separation anxiety and all these things. And similar to you, we never got to a point really where we could leave Mark at home. And I think, yeah, I just feel like we were working so hard and it just, it's just so different now. So it's just trying to find ways to fill your time, I guess, because he, he needed managing in every situation, which I think a lot of people thought we were a bit OTT for, but even at home, like he was so reactive to noises outside and things like that. Like there wasn't a minute where you weren't really thinking about him and it, it was just so bizarre to come home that day without him and just the house was just just felt so empty even though he was a pain and we can't deny it was a pain he was an absolute <laughs> nightmare he made our lives absolute hell sometimes but he was very sweet and I think yeah I think the adjustment has definitely been difficult I know we've both struggled with it quite a lot but we're trying to fill our time as well with other people's dogs at the minute so it's like low level commitment but a bit of dog interaction which is quite nice that does sound really nice like um yeah a bit of a weight off your chest the buck doesn't <laughs> yeah. stop with you but you still get to interact <laughs> yeah. with these really nice dogs I think that sounds lovely I think the thing that's really touched me about your we could talk about your Instagram account and your illustrations in a minute but the way that you talk about Mac online is the it's so frank (laughs) like I've always really struggled with sort of being quite public about Jess and our relationship with her and sort of grappling with the ways that I feel like perhaps we failed her or haven't done what we set out to do and you know those are really difficult emotions to be dealing with anyway but then to do that kind of online in a space where there can be quite a lot of judgment and people can come to quite quick conclusions like that feels like a really scary thing to do but you've done it so gracefully and graciously and you know you're so honest about Max I love that you call him a goblin a chaos goblin (laughs) (laughs) so accurate um and just to be so honest about his limitations um but also like the joys that you found in it and in him, I think has really liberated, I know me um, at least from some of those feelings of inadequacy and like everybody else has got their shit together and I haven't. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I am sure that it's impacted so many other people in the same way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, I do I do get the odd message that uh, isn't great. And it's kind of like, why did you adopt a dog if you don't? love your dog and I'm like no I do I absolutely adore my dog but sometimes I don't like him and that's okay like I just like he has really limited or he did really limit our life and we there was so like to not be able to nip to the shop together sometimes not even be able to put the bins out because he would just freak out is just that's just another level of um dog guardianship I think and I think people deserve uh compassion when they feel like that because I do it's really isolating and I think there's a lot of stigma around that and I think there's a lot of stigma around reactive dogs and nervous dogs and like you were saying earlier I think some people kind of think we'll just get on with it and it's only a dog but yeah it's a but it's I think it's definitely been more positive obviously than negative and people have responded to it really well and it was so nice to like create a little community of people where even though you do feel isolated you can go online and you can see all these people who are going through the same thing which I think is really important. Definitely because I think the nature of what we're doing is that 
life becomes really limited and you're not kind of out and about with your dog in the same situations that other people are so you kind of feel and become a bit invisible so yeah hanging out on your profile and in your community has been amazing because you realize that actually all of these other people are out there they're just also stuck in their living rooms with their (laughs) difficult dogs and um (laughs) it's really nice to be able to kind of to feel like you're a part of something and that it's not just you because otherwise all of the interactions you have with other people and their dogs are like when you go to the pub and they've got like a really well-behaved dog (laughs) sitting under the table like and we'll just sit (laughs) there for hours and we don't that's not an experience that we have Hi guys, it's me Jess, just dropping in to tell you about my book, Worried Whippet, A Book of Bravery. It's a beautiful hardback gift book that inspires you to take a cue from one anxious little dog, muster up your courage and step out into the world with hope. The drawings are gorgeous and it makes a great gift for adults, children, dog lovers, anyone struggling with anxiety. Plus, it's only $10.99, which is frankly a steal. One lovely person just bought 25 and got all their Christmas gifts done at once. You can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, or my favourite, your local independent bookshop. You're listening to Brave Little Podcast with me, Jess Bolton. So tell me about your account, because I feel like you've had the archetypal like Instagram account experience that happens to people with big accounts where you just weren't expecting weren't planning and didn't know it was going to take off in the way it did and it's been a surprise yeah it was definitely a surprise I think um so I started I've always illustrated anyway but not not really like dog content I guess and then when I adopted Mac I just kind of like you said obviously we were spending a lot of time inside it's not like we were doing much outside so I was like what can I do that maybe will keep me busy and be like a nice hobby and I started doing this and I mean obviously I had opinions anyway of against uh, greyhound racing so that was kind of what I started my page with because I feel quite passionate about that and that kind of took off in its own way and then it just kind of kept snowballing and snowballing and eventually it just turned into this just an account obviously about reactive dogs but then people started messaging me and they were like oh my god like I've got a dog like this and I didn't know there was that many dogs out there like this and it just grew and grew and I think it was just bizarre I can't even explain it I mean as you saw before we set up this zoom I'm terrible with technology so there was nothing I did to have any like input into that it just happened on its own and grew its own legs and that was that but um yeah, it was completely unexpected, but I just think it's a really nice community and I'm really glad that it grew the way it did. It's a lovely community. I think there's so much empathy in your drawings and your work and that space. I keep saying this, but I bet it feels really precious for other people in the way that it does for me. And yeah, like what a lovely corner of the internet you've made and curated. <laughs> oh yeah, let's try and keep it safe because I feel like the internet can be brutal at times. So I'm just trying to like protect everyone and make sure it's a nice little space for people to be in and it's okay to not feel great and it's okay to vent about your feelings and, you know, voice these things. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who just think oh, it's just a dog, but you know, as you know, and I know it's not the case. It's uh, very much the center of your world. Totally. And I think, you know, anyone who looks at you and Ellie and says like well you don't love your dog or you haven't done enough or whatever like does not know what they're talking about because you guys have have like it's blown your life apart and you've remodeled it around this like lovely little guy yeah it's just been difficult I know it's been difficult because we're doing it too and it is really really brutal sometimes I wanted to talk to you about adoption like we've just done it for the second time this year you've talked about considering doing it again maybe in the future there'll be people listening to this who've recently adopted a dog are struggling with an adopted dog or maybe are thinking about adopting for the first time 
what would your advice to those people be? Me and Ellie always say the first piece of advice is whatever your expectations are, just literally throw them in the bin because it will not be (laughs) probably anything. I'm sure there's a select few who get the really good experience, but I think, yeah, my biggest lesson I think was, and I wish I'd done this with Mark and I didn't, but I'll know this going forward now, is that we didn't really respect where he was at and what he was capable of and his limitations. And we you know, just had this idea of a dog and we tried to force him to fit into that idea and he didn't. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. I would just say, overall, be patient and be kind. And I think just meet them where they're at. And, you know, they're great in their own way. In the end, we ended up loving Mac in spite of all his quirks. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, yeah, be patient is the main thing, I think, because it, it took him a long time. It probably took him almost a year to actually settle fully with us properly. So... You know, it is it is a long haul and it's a really serious thing to do. Um, and I think if you end up with a dog that is quite difficult, you just have to, I think you just have to be honest about it. I know we tried to hide a lot of it away really and how difficult it was, but I think talking about it, as long as you've got a good support network, that's important too. I think that's really good advice. Our second experience of adopting Otto this year did not go according to plan. Like I think it never does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we definitely weren't expecting life to be as difficult for him and with him as it has been and um having spent all of these years being limited so much by Jess's struggles and her capabilities we've essentially just like taken the ring of like possibilities in our lives and made it smaller again yeah. um which I can't really <laughs> can't really believe <laughs> I'm still reeling from that one but um yeah what what we've done is had a frank conversation about it and committed to him doubled down and we still end up recommitting every now and again like I still have days (laughs) where I think like what are we doing are you sure he wouldn't be like happier and safer in his previous home but he wouldn't like I know that to be true he's in the right place for him we've got the right dog for us but yeah it's not like a sort of one and done situation like we do find ourselves having to sort of continually reevaluate and recommit to him yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think we actually did that with Mac, honestly, right up until the end, in, in a way. I think, um, I mean, because obviously what you've taken on is a, a second dog with similar but different problems. And it's, you know, it is a big commitment and it is a really serious commitment. But I think that's really important what you said, though, because it's not just about whether you can cope with it. It's about whether it's the right home for the dog as well. And we that was what we questioned a lot about Mac, because we... I know you always dream of this perfect home that's like on a farm somewhere that's really quiet with no neighbouring houses or dogs or anything. But like those places don't often exist. And, you know, what we gave Mac was as much as we could give him, which was we just respected where he was at. And we put a lot of time into his training and making sure he was comfortable. And that I feel like that's like the best you can do. Definitely. And did you, you said that one of the first things you did is start working with a trainer. So you were miles ahead of us because it took us a long time to work that out that that kind of support was going to be important. But did you do that all the way through or on and off? Yeah. Okay. So we, so we worked with a trainer first who we didn't quite gel with, but what I will say is I think it gave us the confidence to take Mac out in public, maybe not in the right situations. I think he needed something a little bit quieter, but you know, it, it did give us a bit of confidence because we were quite ashamed, I think, because I know we'd gone for a, a couple of walks and he was honestly like feral is the only word I can use to describe him. He was wild. Like he couldn't walk on a lead. He just was reactive to everything that moved. And it was really embarrassing. And I think I'm quite anxious anyway. And I, I did really struggle with that. So that was tough. But yeah, we worked with a trainer. And then when we kind of outgrew that and we said that's not the route we wanted to go down and we ended up working with a behaviourist instead, um, a vet behaviourist who could prescribe him medication too. 
So we did that and yeah, that was our journey with really We worked with her right up until the end. That's really good. We've got, we've worked with lots of trainers and we've got our first meeting coming up with a vet behaviorist um, for both of our dogs. And I think it's something that I didn't really know about or understand, but like there is quite a lot of structured support out there when you start looking for it. So I want to talk to you more about your social media and where it's taking you next, because it looks like it might be taking you in some quite exciting directions. Yeah, so I've got a book coming out, which came off the back of my illustrations, which was, to be honest, really unexpected. Like I said, I didn't even expect this account to go anywhere. I kind of just thought it'd be like a little corner of the internet that I could post things on and maybe, you know, there'd be a few followers on there. Um, But a couple of months after I had begin posting I think I started posting in the March and they contacted me in the May um I was contacted by a publishing company and they just said you know I've not pitched this yet but I actually think this would be a really good idea for a book with your illustrations but more I guess aimed towards like humans but obviously with the illustrations of dogs as well so yeah I got into that and then we got into talks about it and I kind of didn't think it was going to go anywhere because it just seemed a bit surreal because obviously I'd just not not really planned any of this like I said I'm not very like career focus like that so I just didn't really see it coming and yeah they just kind of said you know we're really interested and then it chugged along for a few months and I've been working on it now for just over a year and I finally got the first copy of it the other day that is such an exciting moment I know from my own experience yeah. <laughs> when you get to hold it in your hands it's really really cool so what kind of stuff is it it's the dog illustrations but with a human anxiety angle yeah so the book is called everything will be okay um, and it's self-care reminders from your pup basically so it's a it's a mixture of things it's you know it's kind of sweet little I guess cute drawings with uh yeah reminders for people just Things like it takes as long as it takes and look after yourself and you should prioritize yourself and all those things, Um, which obviously I think there's a bit of a crossover between my account in terms of dogs and humans. There's definitely a crossover of anxiety there. For sure. I find the same thing as well. Um, My feeling is I'm always surprised by how, how much more easily people find opening up on the Worried Whippet account. And I think it's something to do with like those messages coming from this small, sweet, anxious dog um, that people seem to find it much easier to connect with somehow, especially men. Like I'm always surprised by how many men come to my account to open up and talk about their feelings. I think it must just be like an, a lower barrier to entry to those conversations. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And she's, I feel like she's just so sweet. Like when you obviously write captions and stuff on her behalf, like I, like, I believe it's her. Like, I believe that's what she's saying. <laughs> like, I do too. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I do really do. And I'm just like, yeah, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a really nice thing. And I think obviously it's really nice that there's a lot of men, I think, opening up in there. Um, because yeah, that it is difficult. But yeah, she's just so inviting, I think. And obviously you see, I think when you describe, I was reading your book the other day, and I think, you know, you see yourself in a lot of those situations too. It's really reassuring. Yeah, definitely. I think your experience with Mac, my experience with Jess must be quite similar in that the things that they're worried about sometimes like chime quite neatly with the things that you're worried about. And um, the sort of limitations on us being able to go out with Jess, for example, like I found it easier to lean into that because those are my anxieties too. And sometimes I need to like look after myself and let myself stay home, even on the days where I'm feeling the pressure to go out. And um, like learning that alongside her has been 
like in some ways lovely and a privilege and yeah looking after her has helped me look after myself better as well yeah I think that's a really like sweet sentiment and I think there's always I always see that tweet that says um in your 30s you should have anxiety and a dog with anxiety and I'm like yeah that's exactly it that's our experience (laughs) and I just think yeah you do help each other through it because I mean a lot of people would look at Max anxieties and probably just think that's silly but I know a lot of mine, well, I know they're not, obviously they're not silly, but like you feel like they are. I know I struggle with like social anxiety and I'm sure some people would just think it's fine. You're literally just going for like a coffee with someone, but it just sends my anxiety through the roof. And that's the same as Mac. Like we couldn't explain them. We don't know why he was the way he was or why he was so scared, but he was and he needed support. And obviously that was the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. And we give them so much grace and it's important that we do the same thing for ourselves yeah 100 percent. i also watch my two like i've taught both of them to climb the stairs like when we got them neither of them was equipped to do that and they both found it really difficult jess still finds flights of stairs sometimes that she just can't bring herself to tackle but like watching them do something like that learn something that like that that really scares them and that puts them out of their comfort zone um but they approach it, especially Otto, with such determination. This is my little Italian greyhound who, <laughs> um, he's so small and the stairs are so big. And, but he's very curious and he wants to know what's at the top. So, um, you know, we would have these sessions where I would teach him and he would sometimes get overwhelmed. And then he does this really clever thing, which is self-regulate. So he'll yeah. like take himself off as far away from you as he can get to the other side of the room, take, take a minute and then he'll come back and he wants to try again. And I look at him and I'm like, you are so wise (laughs) and so sensible. Like looking at you learning how to cope with your own emotions and give yourself the space that you need to recover a bit and then come back. Like how smart is that? I absolutely love that. I think as well, that's like the main thing we were working towards with Mac really. He he could not self-regulate and it's such an important tool. Um, But yeah, I absolutely love that. It's so sweet. Yeah, I think about it when I'm going about my day. I'm like, what would Otto do in this situation? (laughs) He'd take a moment out. Yeah, get a bit no. of distance um, <laughs> no he's great that's very it's sweet such a good lesson yeah I think we as anxious people we operate underneath the level of people's expectations of us and everything that we do is like clouded through that and we put pressure on ourselves that we shouldn't we put pressure on ourselves that we don't need to we're worried about what other people are going to think of us and blah 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 like the dogs don't have that so they do kind of in a way yeah just take the things that they need and when they need space they take it and yes like that means that they respond in a much more raw way and it's not always great um but also you know they're not messing about and um I do find that like a useful reminder for myself in my daily life oh yeah I think like my anxiety gives me like so much shame like I just I feel like it makes me like really embarrassed a lot because I just I really really struggle in social situations um but then when I look at Mac, who just thought it was absolutely okay if he didn't like something to scream and just behave completely feral with no embarrassment and no shame. And I just think, I'm not saying I want to do that, but like, <laughs> that's great. Like, I love that. It's just, there's just, I don't know. They're just like so comfortable in themselves. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, you do you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and by all means, tell me what you need. Like, I know you're going to, so <laughs> yeah. let me know. But if they've yeah. got a need, like they're not going to sit on it quietly. They're going to tell you about it. And Yeah, uh, absolutely you better do something about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) otherwise you're in trouble (laughs) oh god yeah i've been in trouble with mac many times god it's awful he was he was good for my anxiety in the sense that i think he brought me out of my shell a bit because i had to advocate for him which obviously i wasn't really comfortable doing at first but 
yeah, the embarrassment at first was a lot. I mean, I just hate to be the center of attention. And I remember the reactions he'd have in public and everyone would turn. And I think you get over that quite quickly once you start realizing that obviously you have to put them first and you have to put their needs first. And in the end, I got to the point where I just thought, I don't care if someone sees him react. And I don't care if he just looks awful when he's being walked. Like, I just want him to be happy and to have his time outside and it's nothing to do with anyone else. That's great that you got to that place because that's something that I struggle with is advocating for them, like asking people not to touch them. Sometimes people look yeah. like you've turned around and punched them in the face. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. no, I, please, I'm not trying to hurt you, but don't <laughs> touch my dog without asking because it hurts I feel them. like you're quite lucky though because I feel like it's not lucky. I know it's really difficult, but Jess is... Yeah, definitely not lucky. What I mean, I think is more people probably approach you for that because she just looks so sweet and so quiet and timid. Whereas I don't think anyone ever asked to pet Mark because if he saw them from 50 <laughs> yards away, he was just insane. So yeah, he was like, I mean, when we before we adopted him, he was called Taz. And I think it was, was Tasmanian Devil. Yeah, I'm going to say it was that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no one ever actually asked to pet Mark. So that was a different experience. But yeah, I can imagine how hard that is because we kind of didn't have to fight people off, but... Yeah, I think advocating is really hard when you're anxious, I think, to step up and like, you know, it's just saying no to people I find really hard. Bit of a people pleaser. Yeah. And when you're a a woman as well, I think it's difficult because we're so like, we're trained to sort of make ourselves smaller so that other people are more comfortable. So I do find it really difficult. And I also find that, you know, I've had situations where um, people have become like angry and upset when I ask them to give the dog space. And that's really difficult because, I mean it's unreasonable on yeah. their part but also I don't want to make anybody angry or upset and you know I can see especially with Otto because he's so small and sweet like he brings people so much joy when they see him on the street like watching people's reactions is lovely and yeah and that's a really nice thing but the priority is he can't be that for people he can't yeah he's he's not up for being touched like he does not want you in his space and you like I have got to get comfortable myself with using my voice to advocate for that and yeah it's really hard it is difficult especially when it's a situation you've not really asked for it just kind of you just learn along the way so uh but yeah I'm sure you'll get there with it I think we got I'd go as far as to say our local woodland I think we've got some enemies in there because we've had arguments (laughs) with everyone and I'm not a confrontational person by any standard but um yeah we've had many many crosswords with people in there so Maybe you'll get to that point eventually and you'll yeah. make loads of enemies locally. I, there is a woman at the park that I call my nemesis. <laughs> There's always our, one. Our dog walking styles are not compatible. Yeah. They do not gel. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad about it. But yeah, no, I avoid her. I like hide behind trees. I'm like, come on, guys, we're going this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have any advice for me or for other people who are struggling to kind of to cross that line and advocate loudly and confidently? I think the first and best thing which actually kind of saves you from having to do it too much is, I mean, Mac was head to toe in neon that just basically said, give us space because that's the first thing and I think people see it. And I know this isn't the same for every dog, but he would wear a muzzle sometimes, which actually was really helpful because I wouldn't even actually say Mac needed a muzzle, but it was a visual deterrent for people and it did make people call their dogs back quicker, which we found. Um, But yeah, I would just say that's a good start because then it... You know, you're giving people the message without actually having to stand up and say it, which is really intimidating. And, you know, you have to make sure you're safe as well. And that's something we found. I mean, we've, like I said, we've crossed paths with a few people in our local woodland and they've not been really friendly and it's not been taken well when we've asked them to recall the dog or we've asked them to give us space. And 
they were really difficult and luckily we were walking together when it happened but if you were walking on your own it's a very different experience but yeah I would say start with the the neon coats the lead slips all those things and then I just used to always try and be straight to the point but polite so I'd just say please can you call your dog my dog's not friendly. Just very like, I used to have like a little Rolodex of responses to say to people, basically. Yeah, I definitely find that like I practice yeah. <laughs> saying things <laughs> and I change what I say. So um, I used to say, uh, oh, he's a bit nervous. But like people don't, they're like, oh, that's so sweet. I like nervous yeah. dogs or I have a nervous dog and they keep moving into his space. And I was like, okay, Jess, you're not being clear enough. <laughs> so now I say, can you please give them some space? And then I know that I have to be ready to say, can you back off? Like if people still ignore me, because they do. Or yeah. um, stop. I try and say stop in like capital letters. <laughs> like, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I find that and maybe put my hand out. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't think I'll ever get get over the feeling that it's rude every time I do it like you do you just feel I feel like as well dogs at least the way I've been brought up and the way you see them on I guess tv and film is that they're these super sociable animals and they love everyone and they want to meet everyone and that's what everyone thinks and you know I feel like you see a lot of like like merchandise and stuff that kind of says I just want to pet all the dogs and I feel that's like the that's the thought behind dogs I think it's just like they're just there for the taking and everyone can pet them and obviously that's not so much the case but we we kind of stopped uh apologizing for mac in the end but can you tell me a bit about some of the other dogs that you've got in your life at the moment yeah so we so we've always looked after our friends whippet cross bedlington terrier called eric who we met on borrow my doggy during covid um and we borrowed him when we had mac and they were he was one of the only dogs in Max's little circle, so that was quite sweet. So we still look after him, and he's very sweet and well-behaved. Um, and we've just gone back on borrowing my doggy, and we've started borrowing a miniature doodle called Felix, who is the best-behaved dog I've ever met, and so well-rounded, <laughs> and a complete different experience to Mac, which is quite nice. Um, so yeah, we're just taking advantage of that at the minute, and I think we were looking to foster in in the new year, hopefully. That's really exciting, and it's lovely to think that like there are dogs out there who need a foster who will be able to benefit from everything you've been through with Mac, the pair of you. Um, that's a really nice thought. And any dogs in any shelters would be lucky to have you. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I hope we don't end up with Mac 2.0, but we'll see. We probably will. <laughs> you might well do, but at least with the foster, there's a... <laughs> Yeah, you know what they're like, though? You fall in love with them, so I'm sure we'll end up with some evil goblin again, but (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Do you miss it, in a way? The goblin I do, yeah. No, I I really, really do. I think I miss, like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I guess just, like, the journey we were on. Like, it was a lot of commitment, and it, you know, it is nice to have freedom back again, I think. But it's, you know, it's come at quite a big cost, and I think it would be nice to have that again. It's just something to like, we just put so much time and love into it. I think it was sad to not see it through, I guess, to what we assumed would be like the end of it. Um, But yeah, I would, uh, not sure I would take on a goblin full time again right now, because I think I'm still (laughs) healing from that one. But um, yeah, maybe in the future there'll be an evil little beast in our cards. Yeah. (laughs) So where can people find you online if they want to look you up and join your community, which I would highly advocate for, even if you aren't somebody living with a a chaos goblin (laughs) 
<laughs> um, it's still like a great community and corner of the internet. Where can people find you? So there's my Instagram, which is MacDaddy Illustration. Fantastic. And what about your book? When's it out? So it's due out early next year. We've not got an exact date yet, but it will be the end of Jan or the start of Feb. Fantastic. And people can order it online. Are you accepting pre-orders now? Yeah, it is actually up for pre-order now. It's up for pre-order on all the usual. It's Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith. And in America, I know it's in Target. So yeah, it's out there already, just not advertised. Brilliant. Um, Definitely, definitely recommend that you get a copy of Hannah's book, everyone. um, Her drawings are lovely. If you haven't seen them before, then do go and check them out. Find yourself in her lovely corner of the internet because you won't regret it. If any of this has resonated with you, then you'll love Hannah's Instagram. Her handle is MacDaddyIllustration and you can pre-order her book, Everything Will Be Okay, online. The links will be in the show notes. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review if you can. One review equals one belly rub for Jess the dog, so do the right thing. Also, if you like hearing from me, you can follow me on human.jess where I talk with big chaotic energy about dog parenting, ADHD, running very slowly and generally feeling like a small person in a big world. Jess the dog's handle is Worried Whippet, so give her a follow too if you're feeling fancy. Thank you for listening. <laughs>